Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Helena Hart. Welcome back to my Master Your Magnetism podcast. I'm talking with Diana Mandel again. She's a licensed psychotherapist, relationship expert, and author. Welcome, Diana. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this topic today. We're broadcasting live on Bullhorn. So I see some people joining. Say hi in the chat. Let us know if you have any questions about this topic or anything else. Today, we're going to be talking about how to make healthy decisions in any area of your life rather than acting out of past wounds. So we'd love to hear from everyone listening live for this one. Do you have experiences with this? We have some great dating and relationship examples we can share, but we'd love to help you out with your personal situation. I did want to mention you have a new book that came out this year. I included the link to that in the episode details, or if you're listening to the replay, that'll be the first link in the show notes. It's on sale right now for, I believe, less than $10, at least at the time we're recording this, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Perfect. Okay, great. I know a lot of ladies got your book after the last episode we recorded together on a powerful emotional shifting process to become magnetic and quickly attract the right person. So I'm thrilled to be able to offer that so inexpensive to the women in my community. So let's dive in. What's the first thing you want to say on this topic? So the first thing that we should chat about is something that I call emotional residue. And this is the leftover emotion that will stick with us even after the hurt is gone. And this can be related to anything in our life. It could be a parent's divorce, abuse, bullying, heartbreak, anything that just feels painful. And when we don't deal with that residue, it plays out directly really in all areas of our life, but particularly in our romantic relationships. So we're basically a bunch of wounded children essentially trying to find love. And until and unless we do something about it, which has a lot to do with self-awareness, we're going to repeat those patterns over and over and over until essentially they're learned. So the faster we do it, the better position that we're put in and the healthier decisions we're going to make. Yeah, I know. I have definitely been there myself. (laughs) It's a very clear distinction from when I was just acting out, trying to heal past wounds from childhood issues and things like that versus dating, going out there, getting into relationship, having healed from those things. To me, it was just night and day. And I see that just all over the place in the women in my community. Do you see that as well? I see it a ton. I see it with men. I see it with women. I see it with older people, younger people, 
married multiple times, never married. It's like it doesn't not hit a single type of person. Every single person on this earth had some sort of residue from the past. Unfortunately, our parents do the best that they can with whatever they were given, but they're limited as well. So when you walk around wounded, you're not even making decisions coming from Helena, from Diana, from anyone specifically. It's from the wounded place. So you think to yourself, if I hadn't had whatever happened to me, how would I be showing up? And it's not to dismiss those things and it's not to say they don't matter. They're incredibly important and they're very relevant. But think about who you'd be without all of that hurt and past pain. How would you show up? How would you feel about yourself and the world and love and what's available to you? Does that make sense? Definitely. I would love to get into a specific example. I know we were chatting before we started recording. I'll let you explain it, actually. You explained it just brilliantly. And it's something that I think a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. So I'm using a specific example based on a father, but even if it is a mother, it doesn't mean that it can't be played out in your love life. So if you're a woman, you're interested in men, even if this relates to your mother, any kind of issue, it still will penetrate and become an issue as well. So I just want to make that clear. I just picked a father, you know, off the top of my head, but I see many women dealing with issues that their mothers have either that they've seen their mothers have themselves or that played out through their dynamic with each other that also can make our love life become more difficult than it should. So I just want to make that note and that caveat right there. Mm -hmm. So the example that I can give is if you had a father who, let's say, was not very nice to you, many women will choose men who are equally not as nice. And oftentimes we think it's because, well, that's what we grew up with. That's what we know. And while that's true, there's another part of it that a lot of people don't realize is that we're trying to essentially reenact a dynamic where their father is actually choosing them. And they're doing that through the guy that they're dating because they're recreating this pattern with their father because they're still like that little girl internally wanting, sort of starving, desperate to be seen, to be heard, to be validated. And that was my point from the emotional residue. We don't realize that we really are a bunch of wounded children trying to find love. And we're not making decisions from places where we are now you know, let's call us 30, 40, 50, we're making decisions as like a six, eight, maybe 10 year old. And so we end up kind of in this box, just as much as we have mantras and beliefs about ourselves in the world that other people gave to us. And generally, they're people of power. So it could be a parent, it could be a family member, a coach, a teacher, someone of authority, let's call it. And we take that on as our own and kind of thread that fiber through our life and decide from someone else's probably projection on their own part, we believe that those things are true about us. And that's what we think. So we could be, again, 40 years old, call it, and we're acting like a six-year-old based on people that are making decisions for us and deciding for ourselves what our future is. And then we're looking for proof that that's true, even if it is hurtful, toxic, not helpful to us. And again, we start looking for evidence that that's true. So if I don't think that I'm enough in a certain way because someone else told me that that's the case... I'm going to be looking for that. I'm going to be looking to provide to myself more evidence that that's true. And that's where we end up. So again, we're making a lot of decisions in life across the board from a very like stale, outdated, unhealthy place. 
Mm-hmm. And we've all been there. So absolutely no judgment here. And I just think there is so much hope. If you find yourself at that place, it is so possible to turn these patterns around and start acting from a place of who you are now or who you want to be. I've just seen it happen over and over and over. So what would you say? Let's say you have a client who comes to you and they have a lot of emotional residue. Let's say they've experienced abuse in their past or their parents were divorced when they were young or really at any age. I'm sure that there's trauma associated with that no matter when your parents get divorced or they've had a bad relationship or they have a history of being ghosted, what are some of the first steps they can take to start healing some of this emotional residue? So there's a couple things. Number one is, again, the self-awareness piece where we need to understand what we've been through and where that can show up for us. And then once we know that and how we come across based on that, a really great action step. It's powerful. It's something that I would suggest doing at night because you can end up getting emotional. And if you do, by the way, that's a totally normal, natural and healthy thing. It's what I call mirror work, where you stand in front of the mirror and you picture yourself as a little girl around six years old. And the reason I say that is because it's a lot of sort of science stuff. So I won't get super specific and nerdy, but I will say that That's when we generally start to create concepts and understand just the world and our role in life and the construct of our family and all of that. So if you're having trouble figuring out exactly at six years old, that's obviously a very specific time period. You can always start looking around for pictures of yourself and when you were little. It doesn't have to be, again, that exact age, but as close as you can. You can also go to a specific age if there was something that happened at an age that needs more navigation and more understanding and more focus. And talk to yourself now as the girl that you were then and let her know that you have her back, that she is seen, that she is important, that she is special. Give her all the things that she never received when she was little. Let her know that you have her back, that she's going to be okay. And it's powerful. And you're picturing that little girl, you're talking to her. And that's where we start healing that inner child. So we're not making choices and taking certain things in our life that isn't or wasn't ever ours and making decisions from a place that feels powerful and clarifying and that feels very you. Because I think oftentimes with women specifically, we try to be it all. We try to be superwoman. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We put ourselves last on our list. Oftentimes, we're just not very good to ourselves. So when you take this time to carve out just for self-care and to check in with yourself, it's okay if you're hysterical. That's normal. It may not feel that way, but it's totally normal. It's kind of ripping open a Band-Aid. And I think women often too want to seem like we have it all together and everything's wonderful and we kind of mask our feelings a lot. So this way you give yourself permission to really go there emotionally and to be able to heal some of those wounds from when you were younger to really get to know who you are now. It sounds maybe a little bit strange, but I think oftentimes we don't even know who we are because we're acting in such past patterns in such a deep way. So when we let go of a lot of that and recreate, again, those fibers of our being, we're able to be who we actually are versus who either we used to be or what someone else decided for us. There's just a lot of control and power in that. And we need to do a lot better as women at that because we deserve it. 
Absolutely. I love that very specific, tangible tool that everybody can do. Sometimes when I see photos of myself as a child, or even I remember one time, like my mom came over with a box of things like art projects from when I was in preschool and just opened the top of it to show me. And immediately I just got teary eyed. I just like started tearing up and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? I haven't even looked at anything yet. It was just like, there's so much there. There's so much there that I probably am still not even aware of. So I think that's a really, really powerful thing that everybody can do. Kana in the chat says, this is such a great topic. Emily says, this conversation is so applicable to what I'm experiencing currently. I'm glad this is resonating. If you have questions about your specific situation, feel free to let us know. We would love to talk with you and help you out. So that is great. Any other tools like that? I love giving very specific step-by-step advice (laughs) for how you can start healing some of these things and turning these patterns around. Yeah. I think we have no idea what other people's thoughts and experiences that they have with us. So one thing that you can do, which is always interesting, you got to be humble and you have to choose carefully, but choose someone in your life who you really do trust. Not what I call a yep, yep doll, who's someone who's just going to be like, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And just tell you what you want to hear, but someone who can gently share the truth with you in terms of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, from their perception, because part of the reason why we're so bad with self-awareness, and this is everyone, you know, we're not excluding anyone. We're all like very bad at this and actually go into a lot of this in my book is because we can't step outside of ourselves and see what other people's experiences of us are, right? So when we're able to find a trusted source and ask them, what am I good at? You know, what are my strengths? What would you come to me for? Enhance all those things. We have no idea. So when we know better, we do better. So Figure out what those things are and ask questions. Don't be afraid to, you know, can you clarify that? Can you give me more detail? What do you mean by that? Definitely make sure that you have a really good sense. And then anything that they find that you need to work on, again, doesn't feel good to hear. I will say that because I've done this many times, but it's so important. And once you know what these blind spots are, they don't feel like weaknesses anymore. They don't feel like something that's almost like a threat for you. It feels like something to grow from and something to learn from. And this is a great thing to do with a partner. So whether you are in a relationship right now, or if you're not yet, think about that. When you are established and you're in a trusted relationship, that's a great thing to do with each other is to look at like a start, stop, continue. What should I start doing? What should I stop doing? And what should I continue doing? And some of that is related to the relationship itself, but some of it relates to me personally. So, you know, how do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with adversity? These are the kind of things that help us grow is asking these questions that a lot of people want to avoid. It's not a personal attack. We're all going to have a list of things that we need to work on. It's a really good thing. It's a positive thing. Once we know, like I said, then it's our responsibility to do something about it. And if you feel at that point that you're stuck or overwhelmed or not sure what to do with the information that you've received, have more conversation with them. Know that you can reach out to a therapist or a coach to go through the pile of the good and the bad and how do we work through this and what do we do about it. I wouldn't ask too many people's opinions, by the way, because that can get really convoluted, but you can always ask a second person opinions. And that's an interesting thing to do because then you start to see certain patterns possibly. So if both of those people are saying pretty similarly positive things and pretty similarly the negative, we now have some you know, patterning and we have something to work towards. So that's another really good tip is to do that. It's not something that we think of to do often. I love it. I've actually never heard an expert in all the years that I've been doing this give that exact tip. So that's phenomenal. I think I'm definitely going to try that myself. (laughs) 
think that's great. And in terms of dating and relationships, like we said, this could obviously apply to any area of life, but I know my community is mostly women. And of course this could apply to men as well, but I hear from so many women, like you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, they get attached to the unavailable guy or the guy who's avoidant or breadcrumbing. And I totally know what that feels like. It's like, if I can get this man on a subconscious level, you're thinking this to finally choose me or jump over all these obstacles to be with me or stop drinking, stop talking to other women, whatever it is, then I'll finally feel lovable. Then I'll finally feel complete and chosen and all of those things. Of course, it obviously doesn't work like that. That's just a game you're never going to win if you're going about it that way. But we don't think of it like that. We just think of like, how do I get this guy to commit to me? How do I get him to step up and prioritize me? Do you have any thoughts for women in that situation? That's probably one of the number one things I hear from why women come and listen to my podcast episodes or watch my videos in the first place. Yeah, it's often that we're trying to recreate a pattern as well from our past. Mm -hmm. So it is important to, I don't want you to dig a rabbit hole and kind of sit in that hole for yourself, but think through why that's the case. And it definitely has to do with validation and insecurity. If we're giving ourselves the love and compassion and kindness that we need to, and frankly, the confidence, we don't look for guys like that because we don't need that. Think of it like we are the ice cream sundae. We are the hot fudge and the sprinkles. This is making me hungry, of course. <laughs> but we're just looking for that cherry on top, right? A guy to just enhance all of the good that we've already done for ourselves and not look for the guy who is the ice cream, the hot fudge, the sprinkles, right? You can't have a guy do all that work for you. It's not even fair for one, for him or for you. But then also what ends up happening is oftentimes we end up with like manipulative shitheads. You know, that's what happens. So when we give ourselves the things that we are so desperate for, like that girl in that example that I gave, if she was able to give herself the things that her father didn't give her, and it's not that he didn't give it to her because she wasn't enough. It's because he doesn't know better. That was his issue. How did he grow up? It's always in there. Right. So while we take it so personally and think I wasn't enough, you know, if Diana could have just done this, this, and this, he would have seen me, he would have loved me, and I would have been enough. It wouldn't matter. Whoever you are, that was his limitation. So we take it so personally. But when we are able to separate ourselves from our parents and what their limiting stuff is from whatever they went through, that's when it becomes a lot easier. So when we give ourselves all the things that we're looking for for a guy to do, it just becomes enhanced that way. And I've been in relationships, many of them, unfortunately, with guys that were just shitheads. And it was because I didn't think that I was enough. And I had all these mantras and beliefs about myself from the trauma that I had, that I was too damaged to be loved by someone, that mm. I just wasn't enough. And so I ended up really giving people discounts because I felt like I didn't have this sort of perfect story from growing up. And so I felt like because that, that I was sort of damaged goods, like I belonged in the outlet store. And so I ended up with guys that just kind of felt the same way. Why would they not? That's what I was telling them. Mm. So whatever you're feeling internally is what these guys are going to give you. If you say, I'm amazing, this is what I offer you, a guy's like, cool, love it. I'm on board. If you're like, um, this is me. It's not that great. I'm so sorry. That's why we over-deliver and over-give and overdo as women all the time. Where we're like, I'll cook for you. I'll do the laundry. I'll be your mom. I swear <laughs> to God, I'll do everything you need because we're trying to cover up something that we know is so beautiful, but we're so afraid because we don't feel like it's going to be enough for a guy if we really show who we are. And then if we really show who we are and the guy doesn't like it, 
we have no ability to work with that. So what we do is we show kind of certain parts of ourselves, but we don't show all of ourselves as a way to self-protect. So if he doesn't like you, you can just say, oh, well, I wasn't really myself anyway. Mm -hmm. So we aren't authentic all the time. We try to be what we think we should be or what we think the guy wants us to be or what society tells us to be versus who we actually are. And it's exhausting. So we're not only dealing with past patterns and working on like a very, very young, injured, sad, sort of fragile version of ourselves, but then we also don't give ourselves the permission to just be who we are, whatever that is. And oftentimes our quirks and the things that we think are embarrassing or weird or a guy is going to find really funky are our best attributes. And that's what we don't get. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds nice to say. I say that because I work with men and women. I work with men all the time and they say those exact things that they don't want a woman who's, you know, sort of square and boring and I don't know, just general. You know what I mean? They want women to have those kind of like quirks and silliness and interesting parts of themselves and just the confidence to be able to show that. And when we see confident people, there's something magnetizing about them. I don't care who they are, their age or what they look like. It's irrelevant. What they have internally, you just turn your head and you don't even know why. People want to be around people like that. The people that have that are the people that actually know their value and know who they are. And they're no different than us. They're no better than us. They've just done a little bit more of the work, just like going to the gym. It's a muscle. It's something that we build upon. So when you're able to draw that within yourself and really brainwash yourself in a positive way, as much as we brainwash ourselves in a really negative way, that's when things start to change. When I did this internal work for myself, I thought that I needed to learn to love myself, but I really needed to learn to like myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I really listened to what my thoughts were, AKA self-awareness, which is exactly what we're talking about. I kind of imagined myself like a little bird sitting on my shoulder, not being judgmental, not being critical, but just sort of listening, you know, to my inner voice. And when I did that, it was pretty horrifying. I mean, there were times where I would cry because I'm like, holy shit, I'm terrible to myself. I mean, no wonder, you know, I'm just a mess. Who would want to be around someone like that? So I had to really build up my self-esteem and what I believed about myself and these mantras and ideas and thoughts that I had in my head, which were so untrue. The people that have the most adversity and issues and pain from the past are the people that deserve the most autonomy and control and just freeness to be an adult and make these amazing choices for yourself. But instead, we keep ourselves in what I call emotional jail and we just sort of eat away at ourselves. And we don't even know who we are because like I said, we're just trying to be something we're not. And then we're trying to cover up our pain and trying to look like we have it all together. And we're trying to do all these things except be us, which is in some sense the easiest thing to be. So that's what we really need to work on as women. We're not good to ourselves and we deserve so much better and so much more. And that's when you start to make better decisions for yourself where those kind of guys, those jerks and the guys that don't treat us well and don't really know our value, they go away when we know what our value is. Yeah. I know in our last episode, you described when you finally decided to do this work and you get out there and start dating, you met your husband actually really quickly. And I believe you said those kinds of guys didn't even come around you anymore. It's like you weren't even attracting them anymore. Do I have that right? Yeah. I thought that I had to be able to have that confidence to ward them off. But in actuality, I really had great dates. And it wasn't that every single guy was like the guy for me, but I never had this kind of depressed, overwhelming feeling where I knew that I was with guys who were users or guys who were unavailable or guys who would just kind of have more narcissistic tendencies. I had amazing dates. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just had such a great experience and 
I didn't know that I would meet my husband as quickly as I did. But one thing I love so much about my relationship with him is that I can just be me. I don't have to sit and think and like, how would this come across? And what would you think of that? And I don't know if that makes me look great. I mean, I just am able to do that. And as a mother now, you know, of two young kids and you know, it's not all pretty. (laughs) It's just, it's not like you're sort of in, in survival mode. And especially you and I, who have our own businesses as well. And there's so many roles that we play as women and we're all so amazing, but we're so hard on ourselves and we're so mean to each other. It's like if women were just able to get out of our own way and just to be supportive of other people, we'd totally rule this world. And I hate seeing women probably more than anything, just because I was one of these girls. I was a people pleaser, probably one of the worst that I've seen. I just was so desperate to be loved. I wanted validation so bad that I would end up making really bad decisions for myself. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I started to give myself these things and redefine how I wanted to show up and how I wanted to see myself and how I wanted to think of just who I am and recreate all of that for myself, that whole pattern. That was when, I mean, every single part of my life, frankly, changed. But when it comes to dating and relationships, it was an absolute game changer. And it's a lifestyle thing. People need to know this is not just like a one and done type of thing where you just run to the finish line and you're there. This is a forever thing. And we need to work against that 1.0 version of ourselves that's going to try to keep sort of pulling us backward. We have to put certain markers in place like some of these action steps I've given. And obviously there's many more things to do and many patterns to recreate. We have to get rid of the old ones and replace them with new ones. And that's when we show up so differently, but we need to be able to do that work. Anytime you try to band-aid it or circumvent it, go around it, that's when the issues come about. You have to deal with it head on. And until you do, you're going to continue and continue and continue the same exact pattern. I promise you that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, you know it. I can relate to so much of what you were saying, especially the people pleaser. I think a lot of women who are in my community or just drawn to this work in general can tend to be that way. And I love what you said too about when you were giving men discounts, like you were at the outlet store. I think we can tend to do that in what we accept. It's not like we're explicitly saying to a guy, like I'm low value. I think consciously women might say, no, I deserve the best, but they're really accepting crumbs or low value behavior from men. And so we should probably do a whole episode just on that. I think it's so important. Emily says, I'd love to call in, get some quick advice on my situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Feel free to call in. And is there anything you want to say to sort of recap these points or anything that we didn't touch on while we wait for her to do that? Diana, this is such a great conversation. I'm just loving this. Yeah, same. And I think it's so important. And I think as women, we just don't talk about these things enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So one thing we can do is self-reflection and awareness. Huge. We want to set clear boundaries. That's a big one too, to protect yourself from behaviors or situations, both from yourself and what you do, and then also how you're treated by men. If you have no idea what your boundaries are, if you have no idea what you should or shouldn't accept, it's going to be very flimsy and you're going to make up decisions You know, in the moment. You're going to justify things. So please, for yourself personally, and then also for a guy in any type of romantic context, establish what those boundaries are for yourself ahead of time. Write them down and constantly be looking at them and making sure that you're holding yourself accountable to them. And that's where some of this self-esteem comes into play, knowing your value, knowing your needs and communicating those. The first time a guy, and we can talk about this in another episode, but the first time a guy does something that's not very nice, 
that's when you need to decide for yourself, does this make sense for me? Let's stop wearing red color glasses because then we do that. We don't see red flags. We just see flags. We Mm -hmm. have to hold ourselves accountable to how people treat us. And we choose and we tell guys how to treat us. So the first time they do something, that's when we really need to sit down and evaluate. Is this just a conversation to say, hey, this isn't working for me. Like we need to talk through this. This isn't going to happen again. Or is this a, this is not the guy for me. There's no way that we could justify this. But that's what Mm -hmm. we need to do. You need to take your time. You have to have your eyes wide open. You need to observe actions, not just words. We have to practice self-compassion. There's a lot of really great stuff that we can do in order to not have these patterns continue and not feel so crappy about ourselves. So true. Yeah, I think that would be a great topic maybe for our next episode, how to do that and really value yourself and act according to that belief and that knowledge that you deserve. Really great treatment, right? I think that would be helpful for everybody. So, okay, I see Emily has called in. I'll go ahead and open you up. Hi, Emily. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I love this conversation. I just happened to tune in and be like, wow, this is exactly something that relates to me right now. I'm actually in an amazing relationship, amazing guy, treats me so well, all of the things. I've done a lot of work on myself and just kind of have in the past worked through all the things you've mentioned and identified a lot of childhood stuff. And so I think I have ended up in a great relationship. And even in the past, I really haven't had any jerks or bad guys or anything like that. But I definitely struggle a lot with people pleasing. And I grew up with a mom who was super critical. And so there's just a lot of like perfectionism. Anyway, I have anxious attachment for sure. And I've been dating this guy for a year. And things are going really well. And they still are. But we've encountered some conflict. And I think for the first year of dating him, we really didn't have any conflict. And now we're starting to kind of get into some minor conflict. It's not any type of huge arguments or anything like that. But it's triggering a lot of anxious attachment for me like, oh, no, what if this conflict causes him to change his mind about me? Because I'm kind of seeing some ways that I'm not showing up as my best self in conflict. And Anyway, ultimately, our goal would be to marry each other, but we haven't made that decision. We both want marriage. We're both 34. And so I think because my two other serious relationships ended at about the year mark, I also have this emotional residue, like you said, of, oh, in the past, at the year mark, when the conflict starts to come, the other relationships ended. And it's almost like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, oh, no, we're hitting this conflict patch. And I'm afraid that he's going to change his mind about me. And then I think that that anxious attachment actually causes more conflict because I'm like, oh, you seemed different at dinner. You were looking down at your food. You didn't look me in the eyes the way you normally do you know it's the tiniest things that I think I'm creating the conflict because of the fear so I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that yeah so there's two things thank you for calling in by the way and I appreciate you opening up and sharing I know it's not easy to do so this is like a two-part answer and it's not going to be just a magical solution right away you know it's just things to think about one thing is to work through this pattern on your own and to your point and to my point it goes deep. And I think we all can relate to people pleasing, things like that. It gets scary, especially like you said, at the year mark where it's like, is this going to continue? Is this not going to continue? So that's something to work through on your own. And then also communication together. So I don't know if we have time to get into it, but I do have a really good action step for couples to do. That's very specific. I've done podcasts just on this action step alone that I created. 
and I do it with my husband all the time, but the point is to kind of keep this short and sweet. I want to see you working on yourself personally to work through the people pleasing because we don't really know how that's showing up and like what's Emily and what's not. What's sort of like that past version of you that's just dying for that love and affection and attention from mom and recreating right. some of that to then being able to separate the two because oftentimes you don't even know. You know, like, who am I? What's my identity? I don't even know because it's all wrapped up in that. And think about if you had a different type of mother, what would you be like in this relationship? Obviously, we don't know, but it would be different than you are now. So I want to see you working on yourself individually. And then collectively, I want to see you two sit down and you could even do the start, stop, continue. Like that's at least something to start with, with the two of you, where you're being very open and honest with each other. Phones down, any focus away from everything else, put it away. Don't give yourself 20 minutes to do this. You know, we have to run out to dinner. Really give yourselves the time. Come with a pen and pen for both of you. You can even do some of this thought process before you guys meet and sit together and talk through what you feel. And you can do it from a couple different angles. You can do it what your partner believes you should do for yourself personally and also as a girlfriend. And then you can also do, you know, vice versa for him with the start, stop, continue. And like what needs to start, what needs to stop and what needs to continue but also what does that mean? You know, if you say, please stop, I don't know, you know, coming home from work and sort of having an attitude. And I know it doesn't have to do with me. It has to do with work because you're stressed out, but that makes me feel X, right? So it's not just that, that's part of it. But then what do I do about it? So oftentimes we just say, don't do that anymore. I don't like that or stop doing that. That's fine. But then there needs to be the other half of it was, well, what do I do instead? So I want to see you guys sit down and evaluate this where some of that self-awareness comes into play. It's exactly one of the other action steps I gave, which is talk to someone who you really trust about what they're viewing from you, the good and the not so good, and what can we do about it? So a two-prong issue, one is an Emily issue, one is a relationship issue, and that is at least a start that you want to take. Does that help? For sure. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. I love too how you said the question of who would I be if I didn't have such a critical mom who was always criticizing me growing up, like that type of thing. And then the exercise you gave, we've definitely had really vulnerable and honest conversations similar to what you're saying, but I like the specific steps that you gave. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And definitely come with a pad and pen. We're able to write down these thoughts because there are things that you can think about after the fact, which mm -hmm. is really helpful as well. And one thing that I'll say too, because I'm definitely a recovering people pleaser, one thing that I don't see a lot in what's out there about people pleasing, a lot of times it's learned to say no and be comfortable with it. And while there's obviously truth to that, sometimes it relates to you saying not right now. Because I felt it was like, well, I'm not always just going to say no to everything. <laughs> That's sort of too far the other way and too extreme for me. So I found that just saying not right now is helpful. And interestingly too, it's hard to say, but as much as we think that we're selfless and we're just amazing people, as people pleasers, we're actually manipulative in mm. that we're trying to manipulate people's thought and view of us, trying to have them validate us, trying to be something that we're not and to overgive, over deliver. And when they say, you know, like, I want a cookie, you're like, here's seven. You know what I mean? Like, we're just trying mm -hmm. to just, right. right? Like, we're just so desperate to give and give and give and do more and more and more. And we'll be the best person ever and we'll get gold stars. The problem is we're trying to manipulate someone's idea or experience of us instead of just mm -hmm. being who we are because we don't yeah. think that's enough. So like I said, we need to kind of be that like entertainment dancing monkey, you know, and just constantly be doing and giving instead of just being ourselves and giving ourselves those things. So hopefully that's helpful as well, just in terms of not right now is okay to say too. 
and to be able to at least just see where it comes from, where it is a validation issue and you're lacking and giving it to yourself. And I was the exact same way. So when you start yeah. to fill up that cup, you have so much less of a desire and even a need in some sense to want to sort of entertain, call it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my boyfriend has even said, like, you need to love yourself more. You're so hard on yourself. I mean, he's even given me that feedback. So that's like validating myself. So that's on point. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Thank you so much for calling in. Emily, I'll just go ahead and close you up now. That was a fantastic question that I know can be helpful to everybody who cannot relate to that, right? I know I definitely can just being so hard on yourself. And I just had this realization yesterday. I was just like, why do I put so much pressure on myself? I'm just doing it to myself. No one else is doing it to me. You know, like it's just crazy what we can do to ourselves sometimes as women. So this was a fantastic conversation. I know we're a little over the 30 minutes, but is there anything else you want to say before we close out here today, Diana? Yeah, just really quick is something you said just made me think of it. And it's a longer thing, but I'm going to kind of keep it really short because I know that we don't have a lot of time. But it's in the book. It's something that I call the friend meter, where we as women especially tend to have, it's exactly what you just said, have these sort of unfair and unrealistic expectations of ourselves that we would never have for someone else. So the way that I look at certain things is if your friend had a similar situation, what would you say to them? So if God forbid I lost my job, let's say, and I came to Lena and I was like, oh my God, I lost my job. This is terrible. I don't know what to do. You know, what am I going to do? You as a person be like, oh my God, it's okay. I'm so sorry. I can't imagine. I'm going to help you. We're going to figure it out. You're amazing. You're going to get back on your feet. I know it. You're not saying that to yourself. Instead, if you were the person who lost a job, of course, you're going to be like, I'm so stupid. How could this happen? I can't imagine. I'm never going to get back on my feet. I'm such a loser. This is so embarrassing. What if I never get a job again? So please, please, please make sure that when you're thinking about the advice you're giving yourself, the things that you're telling yourself, the thoughts that you have, make sure that you take it through that friend meter test where is this you know, advice that you give to your friend or not? And if it's not, then it's not fair. If it is, then we're probably on point. Love it. I just love these very practical tools and ways you can reframe things for yourself. That's just phenomenal. This was a great conversation. Everyone, please make sure to check out Diana's book. That is the first link in the show notes. And if you're listening live, that's in the episode details. You can always email me if you're having trouble finding any links that I talk about, helenaheartcoaching at gmail.com. I'm also going to include a link to our last episode, like I mentioned, on a powerful emotional shifting process to become magnetic and quickly attract the right person or the person you're with if you're in a relationship. Thank you so much again, Diana. This was great. I would love to have you on again. I really liked everything you shared here today. Thank you. I would love that. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. Thanks for joining everyone. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next time. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The biggest mistake women make when a man is hot and cold, acting distant or pulling away is something called a connection barrier. And it only pushes him further away. If you'd like to read about what a connection barrier is so you don't accidentally make it, go to forever1234.com. Again, that's forever1234.com.